don't we just quickly close our eyes? We've had plenty of time to just soak in his presence this morning. How good is that? But I just want us to be really active for the next minute. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. So what I like to do every day is I like to package up my burdens. I like to think about them. So right now I want you to think specifically about the things that are weighing you down. Pick them up. Group them together. Shove them in a package. Jesus' hand is reaching out right now for you to pass them to them, to him. You can feel the presence of God here. He just wants to grab hold of those burdens. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's there to carry our burdens, but we have to choose to give them. So just, you might have a lot of packages that you need to be giving him right now, and that's fine. I do this every day. Start my day walking with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every person as they're packaging up their burdens right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. You guys can grab your seats. Thank you, team. Why don't we give our team a hand? Well, my name's Simon. I, uh, if you haven't met me, I'd love to meet you after the service. But um, I'm in a transition stage with my wife, Georgia, at the moment. Moving, transitioning out of youth. Not with... Not transitioning in our marriage. Is that what you were joking about? No, not that. Our marriage is great. Um, no, we, we're moving out of youth and handing youth on to an incredible couple in Shane and Anna Cox. Come on. Let it be said from the front, I might have said this before, but uh, we're handing on to a couple that are going to take youth to a way more incredible space than Georgia and I ever could. And uh, watch out for our youth and our young people because they're being led by a couple who love Jesus and love each other. And when you have that combination, it's lethal. And so uh, I love these guys like a brother and a sister. And uh, it's going to be sad for us oldies and grey hairies to leave youth. But we're going on to a new thing of starting C3 Parkside, uh, which we're so excited about. And uh, we have an incredible team gathering in our launch team. And our first interest party is going to be happening in mid-April. So if you're praying, which I know you all are, for C3 Parkside, start praying around interest day. The days are designed to introduce people to this community that we're beginning. And who knows that we're about community here. We're about creating a family. And we want that to have a vibe where people just understand that they are welcome in this family of God. So we're very excited. I'm also just honoured to bring the word this morning. I'm very aware, having been in this church for its entire existence, of the blood and sacrifice of the people who have gone before us. I see myself as the next generation um, in this church and because I, I was here as, I don't know, I was five when we started and I'm very aware and not aware as well of the amount of sacrifice that's come before me, not just by our pastors but by people throughout the last 25 years and, and uh, as Alex Lee says, we, we get to stand on the shoulders of giants because of the, the, the blood that was shed, the sacrifices that were made. And it's, and, and it's with that that I get to stand here this morning and bring the Word of God, which is such a privilege. 
So we're talking about shifting our whys this month. Who's been enjoying shifting their why? Who has found out what their why is? Put your hand in the air. Oh, good work, guys. Well done. Love it. Liz, I want to hear what your why is after the service because I'm sure it's incredible. I've been on the journey of finding my wife for the last six months as well, and I've nearly nailed it, I think, into a statement, but I'm not going to share it yet because I'm not quite ready. And when I am, I will share it because it's the thing that's just driving what I'm doing, and I'm kind of finding this space. But this morning, I want to talk about the title of this message is Face the Facts, Believe the Truth. If you're writing notes, Face the Facts, Believe the Truth. key verse we're going out of is John 14, 6. Jesus is speaking in John, the Gospel of John. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the truth. That's the premise that we're going to be talking about today. I remember uh, my first time driving in Sydney. Now, I'm a hills born and bred boy, come from Nan, you wieldy. <laughs> And uh, now I live back in Nan, you beauty, and uh, it's the only place I could afford. Um, <laughs> I love Nan. Uh, but uh, so the idea of traffic to me was almost foreign. Now, these were back in the days when Matt Barker had one set of traffic lights, all right? Now we've got three. It's like, whoo, come on, bring it on. No, I think we've got more. So I was telling Pastor John the other day in the car, I used to get so edgy if there was a car in front of me. If it was even driving the speed limit, it's like, what are you doing in front of me? Get out of my way! Because I was so used to just driving with the luxury of no one in front of me and no traffic. So when I got a bit older, I had to go to uni at Flinders, and then my office was in the city. I, it was nightmare going into traffic. My, have I got any hills dwellers here that hate traffic? I feel like city people, they're just, they're just like, yep, this is awesome. Like, I don't know any difference, so we just sit here all day. Come on. Um, so anyway, the first time I got to Sydney, man, was that an eye-opener. So I'm driving to the northern beaches from, from, if you know Sydney, from the northern beaches, to the northern beaches from the airport. So I go under the harbour. I've done the, I think it's the M5, what it is. I've done it right. And I, oh, not, not right, whatever it is, the MGG. But um, anyway, I'm driving and I'm trying to get to DY. But there's just, there's, I'm getting bombarded with direction, all right? I've got direction from the GPS. I'm getting direction from all the signage. I'm getting closed in by all these other cars around me that know where they're going, can see my, um, just can, or they don't see my South Australian plates because I'm in a rental car, strategic. And um, I have done this in South Australian plates and failed as well. And I've got backseat drivers yelling at me to go. I'm trying to get off of the freeway to get to DY. The GPS is saying, go here. The, 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 the signs are saying, getting the left, the, the, get abreast to the left. Uh, and then it's like, I, where am I going? There's all this noise. I'm struggling to find where I'm supposed to go. There's all, all, this, all this information, all these facts are flooding me. And all I'm doing is stressing out. Like, what? Give me Bald Hills Road. <laughs> it goes that way. <laughs> now there's a roundabout. It's like, whoa, hey, hello. Two roundabouts. It's just so stressful. I'm trying to get to a destination, but all this noise is hard to find the direction. And then I remember uh, when I went to China, I went from the bed. Like, so <laughs> when you miss your turn off, 
which I did in Sydney, and I don't know how I got where I got, but I got there in the end. I learned from a great friend, Lucia, in China when I went there, if you miss an exit, the best, way, best thing to do is to stop in the middle of the highway, put your car into reverse, and just back it up, let all the cars pass you, and then go on the exit. I was like, that's really good. I might try that in Sydney next time. And he goes to me, oh, I'm a very bad driver. I said, yes, you are. I feared for my life for the last 10 seconds. <laughs> Love you, Lucia, if you're listening. Probably not. Um, <clears throat> so sometimes we know the destination, but don't have clarity on how to get there. Get there. So why is this relevant to our why? Why is it relevant to finding our why? Well, when we're discovering our why, there's something that needs to inform that why. There's things that we need to discover about ourselves that help inform our why. Our why is our purpose. Our why is our existence here on earth. So when we're trying to discover it, what is it that's informing that why? Is it facts or is it the truth? Is it facts or is it the truth? You know, fact is true, but not all truth is fact. And so yeah, facts are true, but not all truth is fact. Please explain, Simon. <laughs> all right, I will. If you have one plus one, the only answer is two. Right? So there's a fact that's true. But if your outcome is true, then you can choose a way to get there that's more than just one plus one. So we cannot rely on facts. Facts are unreliable. Everyone say unreliable. <laughs> but facts still exist. We can't, ign we can't ignore the facts. And uh, in this day and age, facts have now been called into question. Like with the advancement of the internet, the WWW, uh, we find that we now distrust so-called facts. Like, you know, one of my main sources of information is Wikipedia, which is not a trustworthy source, uh, although it's just the first one that comes up on Google. So you take it for what it is. It usually is trustworthy, but we don't know if it's fact. So these facts are foggy. There's a foggy direction. So where does truth come from? Where are we getting our facts from? Well, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So Jesus is the truth. It doesn't say, I am the way, I am the facts, and I am the life, but I am the truth. I thought, that's interesting. I read some commentary around this, and it says, without the way, there's no going, and without the truth, there's no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. I thought that was really powerful. So Jesus is the truth. So I started thinking about in the Bible, how do we face, who, who are some examples of people who the, they had to face the facts and then believe the truth? And the first one that came to, to mind is one of my favourite characters in the Bible in Genesis uh, 37, and it's Joseph. A young boy who has a dream, I have a dream, and he dreams of his brothers bowing down to him in different forms, decides to tell his family that as the youngest brother and was most despised because he was loved most by his father. And so they decide, plot to kill him, throw him in a pit, decide let's not kill him Let's, because they see some slave traders come by, they sell him. Now who knows those facts are pretty bad? Having your siblings sell you off to slavery is a pretty bad fact. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Like, no one wants that. 
Then it continues for the, for the poor guy. He goes to Egypt, and, and it actually gets better because God blesses everything that he touches. And so he, he begins to, to rise in the ranks as a slave, so much so that, um, uh, that Pot- it's Potiphar, right? Have I got that right? Potiphar's wife is attracted to him, tries to seduce him. He says no because he's got integrity, but then gets in prison for um, supposedly hitting on Potiphar's wife. So now he's back in prison. The facts are now he's in prison. The fact is he is in prison. But in every situation, Joseph knew the promise and he chose to believe. He believed the truth and the truth was the promise. And so he went on, he, 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 he um, was in jail, he elevated himself. In, somehow he became, uh, they gave him authority inside the jail. Like I can't imagine these days Yatla prison guards being like, oh, this is a very good prisoner, let him put him in charge of everything that's going on. That won't happen these days. I think there must be some cultural thing that I understand. But anyway, so he keeps rising and then he gets let down again because he interprets dreams for some guys who he says go and tell the Pharaoh and they don't, they forget about him. The facts are that Joseph life, he just kept getting kicked back. He goes forward, two steps back. But what it doesn't say is specifically what Joseph is thinking because of the style of the text. But what I know from his behaviour and from his actions is that he believes something different to the facts. Now, he wasn't in denial of where he was, from my interpretation. I think he faced the facts and chose to believe the truth. Who else is there? Old King David. Very similar, similar situation. He was, he was anointed as the next king when he was young, but then had to grow into that. So he defeats the Goliath, and then uh, he rises up in his ranks as a general in the army. But King Saul, well, he got jealous, starts to try and kill him. So he goes and escapes, and, and, and King Saul's pursuing him, trying to kill him. Well, David, facts were, you're supposed to be king, but the current king just wants to kill you. So you probably won't be king soon if he gets onto you. But David had choices. He had two opportunities to actually kill King Saul. And he decided, you know what? The facts are he's trying to kill me. And the world would say, let's just annihilate the enemy whilst he's not looking. But he believed the truth. And the truth was that God wanted him to be king. And he knew that he, if, if he acted in a way that would honour the promise... The promise, then God would deliver. But the the one I really want to talk about is Abraham, father of all nations. Let's read this promise that God gave to him in Genesis 17. It says, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will now be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. I'll make nations of you and kings will come from you. Now, the context of this is that Abraham hasn't got any kids and he's like nearly 100 years old. Now, I've turned 30 this week and the thought of having kids at 100, the thought of having kids at 30 is, or I'm feeling old because of the gray hairs, but having them at 100, oh my goodness. Who wants to live to 100 here? Oh, wow. 50%. All right. See you later, guys. Um, uh, I I can't wait to live to 100. That's my my goal. But apparently in modern medicine, our generation is going to live to 150, they think. I don't think that's going to happen. That's a long time. Especially if you retire at 65, there's a lot of retirement. And there's a lot of golf. But what's golf like at 100? Do your arms like fall off? 
uh, when you swing, or I don't know. Have to ask a hundred old golfers. Well, in Romans, Paul's, Paul unpacks this a little bit for us, and this is what I want to focus on this morning in Romans 4. So if you've got your Bibles, always bring your Bibles to church. It's a good start. And the word of mate and something to note take. Yeah. Romans 4, 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Everyone say believed. believed. Say, I believe. I believe. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Everyone say, fully persuaded. That God had power to do what he had promised. Man, I love that passage. Abraham decided he was going to face the facts and believe the truth. What I love is, let's just bring it back up to 18. Verse 18. Abraham in hope believed and so. What does that tell me? It, sees, it tells me that the end so, the fulfillment of the promise, only came when Abraham believed. Some of us are sitting in here and God's got a promise for us, but the, it will only end so, it will only happen when we believe. Now, I'm not saying some of us do, we all have a promise. So we all actually are sitting here this morning with a promise of God, but it will only be unlocked when we believe. I love the movie Hook. Who here has seen Hook? I watched it this week with Marley. She loves the pirates. Uh, she, for some reason, she likes all the bad guys in movies. So Scar's her favourite. Hook's her favourite. Um, you know, Randall from... Is it Randall from Monsters, Inc.? Who's her favourite? There's something in that. Should I get that checked? I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. That's oh, fun. Anyway, we like to watch movies together. And uh, Peter Pan has forgotten that he's Peter Pan. And in order to unlock and save his kids, Peter needs to believe again. And so he has a dinner with the lost boys and they're all sitting around a meal and all the bowls are empty. And he's like, what's going on? I'm starving. I need some food. And then uh, he has a verbal argument with Rufio and then he suddenly clicks into the true pan and uh, he believes. And suddenly all the, his hopes and dreams uh, happen now. That's not the Bible. That's just a really cool movie, and I just thought I'd give you an idea. Peter believed, and there's this great scene where it's like, "You're doing it, Peter. You're doing it." Anyway, anyway, uh, that was just my movie nostalgia for a second. So the fulfillment of his the promise rests in our belief. Let's look at one Thessalonians two thirteen. It says, "And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God." which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So there is something that is unlocked when we believe. But what about all these facts? What if you're like me on the streets in the highways of Sydney and there's all this noise? 
there's something that sometimes it's hard to find clarity amongst the noise. Let me repeat that. Sometimes it's hard to find clarity amongst the noise. And so this noise starts coming in and bombarding us. The facts may be that you've lost your job or that you can't have kids, or that your marriage is struggling, or you're empty, you don't make enough money, uh, you can't catch a break, your marriage is over, you have sickness in your body, you don't like the way you look, you don't like the way you behave, you, you're depressed, you have anxiety, you're struggling to be a parent, you haven't achieved what you thought you'd achieve. All these noises start bombarding us, these facts, these facts that keep um, pushing us down, that we're liars, that we're struggling, that we don't have any friends, that we're pushover and it starts to drown us out until we start to try to find clarity amongst the noise but it is so noisy that there is no longer a way to hear the voice of God so we keep our eyes on Jesus this is the answer the clarity amongst the noise is to look at the truth and the truth is in Galatians 3.35 that you are a child of God. The truth is in Ephesians 1.4 that you are chosen. The truth is in Ephesians 2.10, you are a masterpiece. The truth is in 1 Peter 2.24, you are healed. You are healed. The truth is in 1 John 2.14, you are strong. The truth is in Isaiah 43 verse 5, you are fearless. You are fearless. Nothing can come against you. In John 10, 28, 29, you are secure. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are a new creation. Romans 8, 37, you are more than a conqueror. Can I get an amen? You are more than a conqueror. Ephesians 6, 10, you are mighty in His power. 2 Corinthians 5.20, you are Christ's ambassador. Romans 6.6, 6, you are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6.11, you are alive. And in John 8.36, the Son has set you free and you are free indeed. Come on, let's praise God. How do we find clarity amongst the noise? We face the facts, we don't ignore them. We look to Jesus and find the truth. Now I'm coming here this morning, I'm telling you that the absolute truth comes through Jesus. Here's the key. In Romans 5, I've said it a lot, but it's actually in the Word. In, chapter, in verse 9, it says, Without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Abraham did not ignore the fact that his body was dead. He faced it. So we need to acknowledge the facts that surround our life. But they are not what defines us. It's to believe the truth that you are more than a conqueror, that you are a son and daughter of God, that you are heir to the throne, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. These are the truths that should be informing our wives, not the facts. The facts, see, see the world says the facts define who we are. Ah, ah, ah. 
We have the truth. And I'm going to say something controversial here. The truth is not the Bible. The truth is Jesus. Now we find out about Jesus through the Bible. But it's about relationship with Him. Because it says, I am the way and I am the truth. Not anything else. I am the truth and I am the life. I don't know about you, but it gets me stirred up. What are the facts? What are the facts that I have allowed to define me? What are the facts that I've allowed to inform my why without facing them, declaring them, and then saying, but the truth is. When we face the facts and believe we can truly shift our why into what God has planned for us. The truth is Jesus. How do we know those promises I just read out for us? Well, it says in verse 23, uh, for the words it was credited to Him were not written for Him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. Come on. For us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He has delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So these promises are for us. I have a list like that that I declare over my life. Pastor Alex Lee spoke about the other week and I do the same thing. I declare these promises over my life because, you know, those facts can sometimes get so big and so confusing that we are struggling to find direction because we're allowing the voices of the facts to define who we are. But we need to face those facts and say, no longer. It is time to believe the truth. So this morning, can I get everyone to close their eyes? Because I want to ask you, are you ready to find the way, to find where you're going? Are you ready to find the truth and begin understanding? Are you ready to find life and start living? Because Jesus is the answer to that. What does that mean? It means you just ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, to come into your life, to bring freedom like His Word says. So I want to invite you, if you've never made this choice before, to invite Jesus into your life, it's so simple. We just pray a prayer together where we ask Jesus to come into our hearts and He dwells within us. If you have done that before, but the facts of life have created so much noise in your world that you no longer see Jesus and you need to come back to Him this morning so that the voices and the facts can be faced and you can begin to believe again. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as well. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, or if you have, but this morning you need to come back to Him. His arms are open. He wants to meet you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to earth to be crucified so that He could bear the weight, like the burdens I was talking about at the start of the, of the message. He came for you. He loves you. He knows everything about you, what you've done, what you're doing, where you're going. So if that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And we're going to pray a prayer together. One, never in your life. Two, you have, but you need to come back this morning. Three, every eye closed in this place. 
Does anyone need to do that this morning? I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. This is the bravest thing you can do, but it's life-changing. To stop thinking about yourself and move into a selfless place is a, is a big shift. If anyone needs to do that this morning, why don't you just lift your hand and we'll pray with you. Awesome. Okay, with every eye closed still, if this morning, <clears throat> like me, you've had times where, or you're in a space now where there is so much noise from these facts, and this morning you need to say, you need to have a break. You need to say, Jesus, I've had enough. I'm going to believe the truth and no longer will these facts define me. If that's you, I want you in a moment to raise your hand. It's not for me to acknowledge, but I'm going to pray with you. So if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right now. If you need to face the facts this morning, come on, hands up all over the place. Father, I pray for every hand raised right now. <clears throat> come Holy Spirit and fill them. The peace that transcends all understanding will guard their hearts. That today is a line in the sand. No longer will these facts define them. Yes, they're confusing. Yes, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, uh, uh, just get past those facts. I'm not saying forget them, but Lord, we say we acknowledge them, we face them, but we are no longer intimidated by them because we believe the truth that is You, Jesus. That You are for us and not against us. that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. In Jesus' Name, I thank You for the hands that are raised, that You love them so much. You know them intimately. You know why their hands are raised. And that from today forward, they are able to daily declare the promises that You have for them over their lives. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen.